Question from Anonymous. Namaste uh, Tanajan. In one sutta, the Buddha, in giving advice to a dying person, advises to pay attention to the cessation of self-identity as one dies. Can Long Po please explain this? So you have to understand that the meaning here is this, this teaching was given for people who have mindfulness and firm samadhi already. So they're in a state where they're ready to be able to contemplate and see into the nature of the sense of self and abandon that sense of self uh, in that final period of life just before their body breaks apart. So that shows that these people who can do that have studied the Dhamma a lot before and even though they may not yet be to the level of a stream entry, um, but their samadhi is very firm, and so they can contemplate right at the end of their life, and they may be able to attain to sotapanna, or once return a non-return arahant. And they see that this me, this I, it doesn't have a true self to it. Or perhaps there could be people who have gained noble attainments already and on the final moments of their life they can uh, gain even higher attainments. Uh, like Queen Samawadi, uh, that she was burnt um, alive and she was able to uh, contemplate that. And she, um, before that, was at the level of a stream entry and she. Um, gained a higher attainment of a once returner uh, during or just before she passed away. Well, it's also even possible for there to be beings who haven't yet gained noble attainments, but uh, just before they pass away, they can attain to arahantship. And so there was one monk who uh, did this, um, kind of in the jaws of a tiger. And so we can contemplate in that way, or we can contemplate the goodness, the skillfulness, the merit that we have done throughout our lives. And this can bring up a sense of ease. Or contemplating into non-self, this can bring up a sense of ease for us. And perhaps upon death we can uh, be born as a deva. Another anonymous questioner. Uh, Namaste Tanajan, I have heard a drawback of doing, meta, of doing metta a lot is that many people will want to talk with oneself. How to address this problem? Is Tibetan fierce deity practice advised here? So when we develop metta, needs to be a purity to that as well. Um, for there to not be kind of liking or delight. And so we need to be a bit cautious when um, spreading metta towards uh, members of the opposite sex. Uh, but if we are developing metta, and it's kind of so much to the point where people come to, uh, they're kind of attracted to us, they start loving us, 
or want to be really close to us, um, then we can bring up upeka, equanimity at that point. And with this kind of fierce deva practice, the purpose of that is so that people don't cling to us, um, get attached to us. So sometimes Venerable Ajahn Chah would be like this, uh, that some of his students would be quite attached to him and follow him around. And he could be quite fierce with them so that they wouldn't get um, so firmly attached to him. So at the Buddha's time there was one monk um, who really liked being around the Buddha and would um, kind of stare at the Buddha. And the Buddha was quite fierce with him so that he wouldn't have this um, liking or this uh, kind of delight towards the Buddha. And then the Buddha was able to teach him the Dhamma and he attained Arahant. Anonymous uh, question. Dear Lung Po, deep gratitude to you and your Sangha for providing the teachings. Outside of the retreat, I listen to your talks almost every day and benefit from them. My question is about fear. I deal with this a lot and try to look at it as a feeling, a candor, and tell myself it is not self. It sometimes interferes with patience, which then causes further problems. Is there more I can do, or is this a matter of developing in the practice, which will eventually bring me release? Wishing you well and protection in the Dharma. So what's um, important is to, to have the Dharma. And, um, and so fear is one Dharma as well, one kind of quality but it's an unskillful quality. And wisdom is also a quality, but it's one of the skillful qualities. And so if you have wisdom, then that's able to win out over this fear. But if there isn't wisdom, then it's normal to get afraid. And this fear arises from delusion, this deluded attachment to self, me and mine. And so you need to train to have mindfulness, observing this mind and knowing when these feelings come up that now, right now the mind is afraid. And then you can contemplate to be able to find a path to abandoning that fear. And that path is um, giving rise to wisdom. And so if your mindfulness and samadhi is well established, then you'll be able to see that this fear is just a mood, it's just a sense impression there within the mind and you won't go and attach to that. But if the mind does attach to the sense impressions then it's normal for fear to come up. And so what you can try doing is to recollect the Buddha and then maybe joy can arise within the heart. You can recollect the great um, goodness of the Buddha, his great purity, his great compassion and wisdom. And then through that this fear can vanish. You can recite Buddha, Buddha and use this mantra of Buddha to fight with that fear. And so if you can do that then that's very good. And maybe the mind will enter into samadhi. Or perhaps you can just watch the breath to get the mind into samadhi and the mind can feel very calm and peaceful. And this fear will disappear all by itself. So
So if the mind is in a still space, then you can see that the body is just uh, the body. But if you're not able to do that, then you have to forbear. And you take it that, well, if I die, then I just die. And may this kind of practice um, be an offering to the Buddha, Dhamma, the Sangha. And if I die, then, you know, die while I'm practicing like this, then I'll probably go to a good place. So uh, you can recollect the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha as well to help relieve that fear. Uh, question from Anonymous. Dear Ajahn, may I know how often one should practice the skeleton meditation during our sittings? Should we do skeleton meditation when one feels like it or practice regularly? Uh, for example, daily or once a week. May Ajahn please advise and teach further on this topic. Thank you with Metta. So you're asking how often you should uh, contemplate uh, the skeleton. Well, that depends on your energy. And that if the mind is peaceful through watching the breath or through recollecting the Buddha, um, then you can also be contemplating uh, the body as being a skeleton. And this too is a method to develop samadhi. This is also samatha, kamatana. So the question was whether you should um, contemplate this once a week or once a day. But really it's when the mind becomes peaceful and gathers together, when that peace becomes firm within the mind, and then the mind starts to create thoughts and embellish and proliferate um, about other things. It starts to use that energy. And so instead you take that energy and use it to contemplate the body, uh, direct it towards the body, towards the elements of earth, water, fire and air. So the skeleton is um, a part of the earth element. So you see the body as being um, just bones wrapped in skin. So through this then the mind can become peaceful. But if it's going to be on the level of insight, vipassana, then you need to see the skeleton break apart and break down. See it is just returning to nature and this is where insight arises. And so you have to contemplate um, in line with the energy that you have. And if you have the energy of mind, then you can contemplate it many times a day, then that is fine. But you should be at least contemplating the skeleton once per day. And then perhaps when your peace of mind uh, grows, then you can uh, contemplate it more. Just whenever the mind feels peaceful, then you can contemplate uh, the skeleton. Anonymous question. What's the benefit of doing only three postures? How can one gradually start doing the sleeping sitting posture? Can one lean against the wall initially and slowly sit up eventually? Thanks. So this is um, something that we need to gradually train ourselves in and uh, to steadily practice in line with the energy that we have. Uh, 
And so perhaps we can, uh, while meditating, you can lean against a wall and then, um, or you know, try just sitting up uh, straight without leaning. But it's important to not get uh, worried, to be too concerned about this. And sometimes while sitting meditation, the body may be kind of slouched over a little bit. Uh, but it's not necessary to sit kind of straight up all the time. And so, and some people, they can have a very good posture, they can sit very straight, but their samadhi just doesn't gather together. There isn't a feeling of buoyancy in the body or the mind. Samadhi is not firm. And so it's important when we kind of get into samadhi, it's, you don't worry about the body. Um, because if there is that concern, then the samadhi won't be firmly established. And so we need to just steadily train ourselves. And if um, the body's tired, if we're not able to carry on sitting, then it's okay to lie down. And you have awareness there, mindfulness there, until you fall asleep. And then when you wake up, you start up with the mindfulness again. And when we say to keep the postures even, that doesn't mean to maybe spend an hour sitting meditation, an hour walking meditation, an hour standing, an hour lying down. What that means is to have a constant mindfulness. But with the practice of not lying down, of um, sleeping while sitting, this is also something that you can try training oneself in. And so some monks are able to do this, that when they sit and they fall asleep, then their head doesn't even really um, kind of lean over, uh, that their body's very straight. And so that's something that some people are able to do. Um, but if you're not able to do that, then it's okay to, to lean against uh, a wall as well. So maybe just one more question for this morning, then we can have the opportunity to sit in meditation. Uh, a question from Abhilash in India. Vandami uh, Banteji, how does a bad or good karma arise? Kindly explain it with a suitable example. And how does one restrain the bad karma? So all dhammas or qualities have uh, causes for their arising. So the question is, where does kamma come from? It's a volitional action. Well, it's the kilesas, the defilements, uh, which produce kamma. And then having made kamma, there's the results, the vibhaka kamma that arises. And then this vibhaka kamma uh, kind of pushes us into, or pushes up the kilesas um, again. So it's the kilesas that produce this kama. But if we follow good kama, these good actions, um, what we're doing is building up goodness. So like offering food to monks, seeing the drawbacks of being stingy and so developing a faith in generosity. And so this is the building up of goodness. And there's this uh, kama, this good kama, which is uh, producing 
vipaka, the results of that good karma. And the result of that good karma is that we want to uh, produce more merit, we want to be more generous, we want to develop our bharami. But that's not uh, kilesa, what that is, is developing bharami. That's goodness, that's good karma. So the opposite of that is uh, people who drink alcohol, for example. And through drinking alcohol, there's that increased desire to drink more. And so that's defilement there. And if they're not able to resist that, if their mindfulness isn't so good, um, then they create that karma of drinking alcohol. And then after doing that, there's that vipaka karma um, that is there, arises within the mind. And that result of that karma then kind of pushes one to create um, even more defilement, to follow the defilements more. And so this is um, the cycle here, this cycle of uh, defilement and karma and the results of karma. And if we're able to cut that off, even though the defilements may be there, even though there is that desire to drink alcohol, but we tell ourselves that we're not going to do this, that this is harmful, this is dangerous, and so we don't uh, produce that karma. And we steadily train ourselves in this, our mindfulness steadily gets better and better, samadhi becomes more and more well established, and wisdom grows and grows, then one day we'll be able to totally abandon that, totally cut that off. So now we can all um, sit in meditation together.